0: I started saying Aruba is the number one vegan-friendly place in the Caribbean, right? Before we were. Now we totally are. And, um, you know, just just saying those things, putting them into existence, it's not some like strange woo-woo manifestation thing. It's like, really, you have to believe it and live it for it to come into existence.
1: Welcome to the Vegan Manly Man Podcast. What's good, guys? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Vegan Manly Man podcast, where vegans aren't weird. We are just from the future. My name is Jake Singer. I'm your host, as always. And this is the show where we talk about self growth, plant based living, and sharing the message of love, compassion, and peace for all beings. If you're a first-time listener, I want to welcome you to the show. We try to entertain, educate, and inspire here, and if you can at least get one of those things out of each episode, well, then I consider that a big success. If that does happen and you do like the show, leave me a rating and review on iTunes and or simply share this episode with somebody you think would also enjoy it. Guys, I get it. Everyone says this shit, like, subscribe, blah, 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 but... We got to get the message out there, and the only way that can happen is with your help and building some hype around the show. So if you truly enjoy this content, help a dude out and reward me with the countless hours I put into providing this free content for you guys, and my gratefulness will be eternal. All right, enough of all the fluff. Today I have another amazing guest on the show. She is a former social worker from New York City who moved to Aruba in 2016 with her husband that she met there on vacation. How crazy is that? And after recently going vegan and becoming frustrated with the lack of options and understanding on the island, she took the initiative to gradually transform Aruba into a vegan Caribbean Mecca from the inside out. More easily put, she turned Aruba vegan and now continues to share her community-building knowledge with consultants, hospitality workers, chefs, and just about anyone interested in growing a vegan movement around the world. So grab those vegan snacks, kick back, and enjoy this episode with Meredith Marin from Vegan Aruba. Meredith, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your day to share your insight and knowledge on, <coughs> excuse me, all things vegan, all things Aruba, all the crazy awesome stuff that you're doing to create. Uh, vegan culture and communities so thanks for being here
0: thank you i'm so happy to be here and talk to you today
1: yeah awesome we actually got um connected through our mutual friends uh chris and jasmine from sweet simple vegan i was staying with them in portland a few months back and i was like man i'm looking for some new podcast guests and they're like oh you definitely have to check out meredith from vegan aruba you know she basically turned this whole island vegan i'm like what and i checked out what you're doing i'm like this is so awesome so i'm glad we got connected
0: that's so sweet of them. They're amazing. I love what they're doing.
1: Yeah, definitely. They're they're awesome people. I had them on the show actually, um, one of my earlier episodes. So if you guys are listening, you haven't listened to that, check that out. But um so Meredith, I like to kind of start off with a, a heavy hitter question. Um I'm not one for small talk. So (laughs) let's dive right into it. You know, I want to know what your mission statement is for life. And that way people can get an idea of who you are right off the bat. And then we'll kind of reverse engineer and ask some questions to see how you got to that point.
0: That's such a cool question. I feel like if everyone asked that question at networking events, then we'd have much more deep (laughs) connections with people. (laughs) You know, it's always like, what do you do? Where do you live? Um, So my mission statement, wow. Um, My mission statement, I guess it's simple to me because I live it. It's just to make the world a better place. Um, And in in its most extreme, I guess, to to save the world. Um, I know every generation has its issues that they have to tackle, but I feel deeply connected to our generation right now that we have this climate crisis going on and we have this unique challenge where we really have to redesign the way we live so we literally can have a planet to stand on in the future. Yeah. You know, I think every day, like, oh, 200 species are going extinct every day. And the UN is telling us that in 10 or 11 years, we're going to see these devastating effects of climate change. So I don't know, maybe it sounds crazy to say that my mission is to save the world, like I'm a superhero or something. But um, really what it means to me is that I just take personal responsibility for the impact that I have in the world. Um, everyone has an impact in the world, whether we like it or not, our actions make a difference. And I just want to inspire others to know that their actions make a difference as well and that they have a choice in the way that they live in the world. And I do this through um, through living through a place of passion and teaching others to use their passions to work toward healing the world. Um, through my work, I, I teach at the University of Aruba and I teach in the social work program. I'm a, mas- a master's of social work. So I teach the social work students how to use their passions to advocate for the causes they believe in. And through social media, I do vegan advocacy, and I also train people all over the world to use the community organizing strategies I used in Aruba to help change the vegan scene in their communities. So yeah, making the world a better place, I guess it sounds simple, um, but it's something everybody can really do.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I'm sure you've heard the, the statement before, you know, the people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones that do, so...
0: That's right. Yeah, it's a belief. You have to believe that you matter, that your voice matters, that what you have to say and do can change the world. And, you know, it does. I mean, whether it's changing for the better or the worse, you know, you are making an impact on the world.
1: Agreed. Agreed. 100%. So clearly, you know, you're somebody who is very passionate about the vegan movement. Um, Let's talk about what led you to this lifestyle. You can go back as far as you want if you want to talk about life growing up, but more or less what kind of got you to where you are now
0: yeah um absolutely. My whole life led up to to this lifestyle, which is so interesting because of course most of my life I had no idea what this lifestyle was. actually, I grew up um, in a family of butchers. My grandfather was a butcher. um my uncle was a butcher. my mom worked in the butcher shop and I have memories of going into the butcher shop after school and walking into the back of the kitchen to see my grandfather and do my homework there and give him a big hug and he's wearing an apron covered in blood and there's Hanging cow carcasses around me, and um, it's funny. Those are like loving memories from my childhood because I didn't know any better. I was just a kid who was visiting her grandpa after school. Um, but I had this this upbringing where you know he was a kosher butcher, so I'm Jewish, and we were brought up with these Jewish values um, to not stand idly by when someone is in pain. Um, and it's it is this funny paradox because you know he was a butcher. He, his parents were. He was brought to see chickens being slaughtered at age five. And on the other hand, he's married to a Holocaust survivor, my grandmother, who uh, grew up in World War II Romania and uh, was able to escape when she was a preteen. So I grew up hearing these stories of the Holocaust and how, um, you know, we can't ever let that happen again. And we have to stand up for the vulnerable. And so throughout my life, I was raised with this sort of this awareness that there was something going on around me that was Wrong. I I never really felt like I wanted to eat meat. Um, I didn't eat a lot of meat growing up, even though we always grew up in this meat culture, and um, and always grew up wanting to participate in social justice activities. Um, But it wasn't until college that I was able to make a a change in my diet. So or had that awakening that made me want to do that. I um, I was living in Atlanta, Georgia at the time, and then I moved to New York City to go to college, uh, where I'm originally from, New York City. And, um, I was at NYU and I had this whole lifestyle where, you know, everything was open to me. The world was open and I made a lot of new friends. And one of my new friends, he had this experience where he was in the subway and he saw a man walking on the tracks and he tried to save this guy. This guy was, it turned out he was deaf. He was a worker from Bangladesh who was sending money back to his family And, um, the train started to come and my friend grabbed the guy, he grabbed his arms and he tried to pull him up and he couldn't. And the train hit the guy and he flew across the platform and my friend followed him to the hospital where he passed away. And, um, my friend ended up starting a a charity to raise funds for this guy's family back in Bangladesh. So I heard this story. Um, he, you know, my friend knocked on my door. He was, he was the RA of my floor. He knocked on my door and told me this story. And I was so touched and I was like, okay, I'm going to help you raise money. So I started going door to door. And by the end of the night, I had raised about $30. And I was just like, this isn't enough $30. Like, this is terrible. This is all that I can do for this family from this touching story. Um, And you know, something just clicked in me that night. And and it's a little bit strange to think it was overnight. Um, I became vegetarian because I decided I didn't want to participate in any death. I, I Made that connection like what can i do personally to make a difference in the world to stop harm and suffering and for me that was going vegetarian i didn't know what vegan was at the time i didn't know about the suffering that occurs in the dairy industry and the egg industry like i know now but at the time it was the only thing that made sense to me so i went vegetarian overnight um I, I lived in a dorm. I didn't know how to cook. I basically ate Chinese takeout fried tofu every night yeah. for three years. <laughs> um, Nothing I g- that. Well, I gained a lot of weight. Um, I wasn't so happy about that. And um, I was tired. I don't think I was I was doing great nutritionally. So I ended up going back to Atlanta um, to visit my family when I was done with college. Went to see my doctor. And my doctor was like, what? You gained 30 30- 40 pounds, uh, you have high cholesterol. This vegetarian diet is horrible for you. You have to stop. So I listened to the doctor and uh, I didn't know any better. I started eating chicken and fish again, thinking that I was going to get healthy. And of course that didn't, that didn't work because just eating meat doesn't do anything for you. You have to plan a balanced diet, you know, whether you're eating meat or you're eating uh, plant-based, you need to know something about nutrition. Um, right. So about I did that for about two years, really trying to be healthy, didn't know how. And then I ended up going to Aruba um, on vacation. That, uh, that was 2009. And I met my husband in Aruba uh, when I was on vacation with my grandparents, actually. It, oh, was, wow. it was a love at first sight kind of thing, not expected, and really changed the trajectory of my life. Um, ended up moving to the Netherlands with him. Aruba is part of the Dutch kingdom. So they go, a lot of the Arubans go to the Netherlands to study. So he went there, I followed him. And um, in the Netherlands, it was like a whole new world of food for me, I was able to ride my bike and see the farms like we would drive by cow farms we would go to the farms uh, where we would pick our own vegetables and there was a farm for everything like there was a cherry farm where you go just for the cherries yeah and you get the (laughs) cherry wine and you know it was like um, this connection with food that I had never had before you know I grew up mostly in New York City and I didn't have that understanding of where food really comes from Um, and then I ended up becoming an au pair so I could stay in the country and I lived with a vegetarian family and it really brought me back to, to my, my, my connection to myself and to the food and what I really wanted to do and where I had strayed from. So um, I was vegetarian again. I started watching documentaries. I watched Food, Inc. and um, I know Cowspiracy, um, Forks Over Knives, I think a couple of years later, I started watching these documentaries, reading some books and starting to understand the impact of, um, you know, impact on the animal agriculture industry, but also the health experience that i was having what foods made me feel healthy and what didn't and
1: Um, the family was giving you healthy foods i'm assuming there was no fried tofu in the netherlands no actually (laughs) i was
0: responsible for cooking for them so i had to learn how to cook and um, they'd have you know they had this whole basement full of fresh food and they were like okay go find some vegetables and cook for us there were three kids two adults plus myself and my husband and um, i was cooking big meals i ended up uh, learning to cook so well i ended up being asked to go to other families in the community and cook for them. So I would wow. like go to someone's house and cook for them for the day and uh, for the week and like leave them food for the week in their fridge and then come back. Um, it was amazing. I, I really discovered my passion for cooking and that's something that I you know work on till this day. And um, and so I was still pretty much vegetarian at the time, but starting to learn about the health benefits of going fully plant based. So cutting out cheese and all the dairy and. And eggs so um, through the books i was reading so we ended up moving back to the states um that was about nine years ago and i um i decided we decided to start going vegan although i don't even know if at that time we would call it vegan or knew the word vegan but plant-based cutting out those things um, the other things for health reasons um still didn't really know about the ethics of the the dairy industry and the egg industry so we were basically for um for years and years um vegan vegan at home i would say in that we didn't buy any animal-based products but if we were at a restaurant i wouldn't think to ask is there butter in that um or if i was at a work party and there was nothing to eat i would eat something vegetarian right. um, so we lived this life like that for a really long time we're you know almost vegan but not activists and then we ended up moving to aruba in 2016 and um, a little bit of a culture shock. So people did not know anything about veganism, vegetarianism when I got there. Uh, I would go out to eat and we would go out to eat like tourists because we have family visiting all the time. My family's not from there. So we'd be eating yeah. out every night for a week, like we were on vacation in the, in the beginning. And um, I was, I was having these intense conversations with the restaurants, trying to explain to them my values and what I wanted to eat because there was nothing I could eat on their menus. So I ended up having to choose uh, basically veggie pasta every single time I was out. Um, and then we'd go to family gatherings and there would only be fish. And, you know, it was new to the family. It was awkward. I would like put fish on my plate and, and move my fork around. And yeah. um, it became, <laughs> it became um, difficult. And that's when I decided to set my boundaries and become 100% vegan, uh, do my research, understand why I'm vegan, so I can explain it to other people. And essentially, that was the time, the, the day I became an activist, because the second I made that commitment to myself was the moment that I started to really learn and research about the animal agriculture industry. And um, that's when I started to share it with others immediately. So I started uh, just by setting up an Instagram account. Vegan, it was called Vegan Aruba, to see if I was the only one in Aruba that was vegan to try to meet other people and to share my lifestyle so that people knew it was possible to be vegan in Aruba because people would meet me and they would say, but yeah, vegan sounds nice, but how is that possible? There's no, there's no vegan products here, or it's so expensive to buy vegetables. And they were right. So I, I set it out as my mission to to basically prove them wrong, to show that these are my boundaries and I need to uphold them. And everything just got easier after that. People started to understand why I was doing what I was doing and try to accommodate me and respect me. And, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk more about this later, but to make the long story yeah. short, it, it just, um, to me, it, it changed my whole life. And um, and now I've seen the way that one person really can make a difference. And um, just getting clear on, my, on what I wanted for myself helped me help so many other people.
1: So it kind of stemmed from like a frustration of of going around and people not knowing what this was that you were just like, okay, like I'm going to learn as much as I can about this so that I can, I can educate people and explain it to them.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was more about me in the beginning. It was like, how do I live by my own values? And I feel constantly confronted by those values every time I sit down to eat and I have to make a decision do I make a big deal about the butter in this dish do I isolate myself from the family you know by do I pretend to eat this you know how do I make this work and I decided the only thing that made sense to me was to just be myself and tell people who I really was and what I valued and um, you know and that worked for me I mean maybe some people wouldn't be in cultures or families that are that accepting but It worked for me and my husband also, you know, went through that same transition around the same time. So we've been lucky to be such a support network for each other. We we really have this like, um, aligned journey with our, with our eating. So, um, although he, he has (laughs) anyone who looks me up, will know that he has a little bit of a different eating ethic. He calls himself an ento vegan. He studied, um, the cultures that eat insects. He's a food anthropologist. So he has, a belief in um, sustainability of eating insects. But anyway, <laughs> that's a whole nother, whole nother story. Um, but yeah, for the most part, we, we've we really been aligned on our journey. And so we've just been so lucky to have that support. And we have a three-year-old daughter and she's also vegan. And that's a, a very interesting thing to raise a, a vegan child in a non-vegan world.
1: Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. So so growing up, you know, being around the butchers the whole time, you know, when you decided to drop meat that there was no resistance in your mind of saying, oh, well, like this is the way it's always been. I grew up around this like like I'm just curious to know why you didn't eat a lot of meat growing up, you know, even though you're around the butcher. I, I yeah. was assuming um, have- at like family functions like, you know, there was always a piece of meat.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Um, I have this memory, this really vivid memory of seeing this TV show lamb chop. There was like some kids show called where the the character was called Lamb Chop. And it was a lamb, like a cute cuddly lamb. And I don't know what show it was, but I remember watching that show and making that connection to my grandpa talking about lamb chops. It's like, what? I don't understand. Like, I, we're actually eating lamb chop? So yeah. so immediately I started to think, okay, what kind of animal is this? And yeah, but growing up, I probably ate some chicken. That was probably the, the most thing that meat I would eat. But I just never liked the taste. Um, I just wasn't something that I was attracted to.
1: So it's not like you were, you know, asking these questions to your family and they were saying, no, 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 this is okay. This is okay. Like, and then just ingraining that in you, like more or less, you just accepted it and then came to your own conclusion.
0: Yeah. I don't think I had any major realizations other than that one until college. Um, I wasn't like protesting my family as yeah. a child <laughs> um, and I didn't have a great relationship with food. Um, in high school, I had an eating disorder. I would limit my food intake. And really, um, I wasn't connected to food in a relational way. I was, I was really just like, you know, trying to survive, um, you know, struggling to figure out how to be healthy and, um, and take care of myself. So it wasn't, it wasn't so much about consumption and worrying about the animals and, and, you know, the plants. It was more, um, egocentric until I made that connection that I didn't want to participate in harming any living beings, any, any animals anymore.
1: Yeah. Okay, so you and your husband, uh, you moved to Aruba. Um, obviously, he's from there, and mm-hmm. you had visited on vacation. Um, what's the culture like on the island when you get there? You know, you're having these struggles with, with obviously, the vegan thing, but, you know, wh- what's it like there?
0: Yeah, well, it's a mix of Dutch and Latin American culture. <clears throat> so, Aruba is a tiny island off the coast of Venezuela, but it's part of the Dutch kingdoms, so the kingdom of the Netherlands. So you get um, there's a lot of Dutch influence there, a lot of Dutch people, which is big cheese culture. Um, It's all about cheese. And then you have the Latin influence, which is a lot about meat. So like it's common for people to have a goat in their backyard. Um, But the food culture, most of the food is imported because Aruba is a desert island. It's a desert climate and they haven't really figured out. The, the, the local agriculture scene yet. Um, it's very expensive to grow food. There is not a lot of rain, so you have to pay a lot for water and electricity. Um, so local agriculture is now sort of up and coming, like the new generation is trying to grow, um, trying to take the, the culture of their ancestors that knew how to grow, that, that people kind of lost it, and now figuring out how do we infuse new technology and grow food on the island. But still, you know at least 90%, 95% of the food is imported. Um and so people have this culture, you know, it's it's like it's it's a lot of different cultures at the supermarket, you'll see products from all over the world um and a lot of american influence too because it's very tourist focused culture. So I don't know if you've ever heard about Aruba. Their motto for the island is one happy island. Um they're very happy people and very tourism focused. So everyone's super friendly. Um, they want to please, they want to accommodate and um they're very proud of their island. It's a it's a small population. There's about 120,000 people residents oh, that wow. live there.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So
0: it's it's like you know living in a small city or a small town. Everyone knows each other. Um, yeah, so it's this really cool mix. Um, like my husband, you know, he was born there, but he's a big mix. He's you know um, English, uh, he's British and Venezuelan and Italian and Irish, and you see a lot of people there who are like that, who are just big mixes of different cultures that have ended up in Aruba.
1: Wow. So there's not like, uh, so it's not like a tropical kind of like landscape. There's no like wild fruit growing here and banana trees and that kind of stuff.
0: No, not in the way he would think of that. We have cactus fruit. Uh, there's a lot of cacti. And so you can pick the little tiny cactus fruit. Um, but you know, it's not tropical. People come there thinking they might see something tropical and then realizing where they are afterwards that it's gorgeous. I mean, the beaches are amazing. I fell in love with the beach when I first went to Aruba. It's it's all white sand. Um, It's a beautiful place to live.
1: Interesting. I I didn't know that. I just assumed that it was kind of just like any other Caribbean island. so.
0: Yeah, people assume there's a lot of hurricanes. We don't know, we're not in the hurricane belt, so we don't get hurricanes, so we don't get a lot of rain at all. Um, yeah, so it's very dry, wow. very windy.
1: What's the, is there, a, is there like a language barrier?
0: So there's, um, the local language is called Papiamento and it's, um, it's, it's like a Creole language. It's a mix of a lot of different languages all, all merged together. And, uh, most people on the island speak that, but... Most people also speak English because it's so tourism-focused. So a lot of people yeah. work in the tourism industry. Uh, most people speak Dutch because Dutch is the language of the government and the language in that they learn in school. Um, so like my husband, he had to go to school in Dutch. So it was a public school where they spoke Dutch. So, um, And then people speak other languages too. Like Spanish is prevalent there because of the proximity to Venezuela. You, you see a normal, typical Aruban speaking four languages just right off the bat. Wow. Yeah. So for so, so for so me, what, it was a which it was have a language. You up? Yeah. So for me, it was a language barrier. a, a little bit. So um, I I did speak Dutch um, okay when I moved there because I had lived in the Netherlands for a year and yeah. a half. So my Dutch was you know like I spoke like a five year old, but uh, I can understand <laughs> a lot, um, and um, I understand
1: vegan food. Please. Yeah, probably what just I, understand, I understand some
0: <laughs> Spanish. Um, my husband speaks Spanish, but but yeah, my my confidence in speaking is not great. But once people notice I speak English, they're they assume I'm a tourist, and they speak English to me right away. So, um, actually, that's been sort of a, an obstacle in learning the languages because people are so willing and excited to speak English to me that I haven't had yeah. that great opportunity to be immersed in the different languages. Um, but it, it was no, I, I never felt like there was a major language barrier. I've been able to make lots of friends and um, and do business, and it's it's been amazing since I've moved there.
1: Isn't that crazy? How they just you know assume that you're a tourist. I had the same experience when I went to Costa Rica. I was like, all right, I'm going to speak Spanish the whole time. I'm going to try not to speak English. And even when I would speak Spanish to people like they would re- most of them would reply to me in English. I'm just like, is my Spanish that bad or just, like- <laughs> well, they're
0: also excited to practice their English. I mean, they, they want, to, they want yeah. to practice that. So it's an opportunity.
1: That's very true. <laughs> Okay, Meredith, how the hell did you turn a whole island vegan?
0: (laughs) Um, It's funny that you put it that way. Yeah, you know, it it feels strange, actually, to take the credit, um, like I single-handedly turned an island vegan, Um, although I played a a really big part in that, Um, and, you know, when I go to restaurants, and I realize most of the the vegan-friendly restaurants are because I I made that happen. Um, but really, it was the right time. Uh, the island was ready for it. There were a couple local vegan vendors popping up when I moved there and, you know, a couple, like a handful of people talking about it. And um, really, I used my social work background, my community organizing background to, um, I used those skills to empower the community and, um, and build community around it. So, when i was living in new york city um after i got my master's in social work i worked for a major hospital doing community health organizing and i worked with schools and community centers and hospitals to teach people about healthy living and to organize uh, wellness so i helped schools start school wellness councils and i taught teachers interventions and taught you know cooking classes and i had this background in community health even though when i moved to aruba that wasn't my intention at all to get into that um it, this all started by accident like i i told you just because i needed something to eat um i thought yeah. you know, i had an eight-month-old daughter when i moved there i thought i was just going to be a stay-at-home mom i didn't even have a work permit when i got there so i wasn't intending to work i thought i was going to. Drink pina coladas on the beach and enjoy my life. <laughs> that was my plan, um, but actually, uh, so a little bit after I moved there, I ended up getting hired by the university to as a part time professor to teach some social work classes. And the first class I was asked to teach was called community empowerment, and it was so interesting to me that I was teaching this community empowerment and c- how to do a community assessment, and and all the things that I was actually doing simultaneously for the vegan movement in Aruba. So um, it really started on Instagram. It started as an Instagram movement where I was just building connections. Um, there were some existing Facebook page or Facebook groups for vegans in Aruba, but I found that people weren't willing to out themselves. Like they didn't want to be part of a group where they had to say that they were vegan. People didn't even know, wow. um, you know, if, if they were fully vegan, you know, they didn't want to feel like they had to be perfect. Um, so creating a page where people could just contact me and, and I could be that. Point person for them. They didn't, they felt like they could ask me for advice. They didn't feel like they had to, you know, be in a group where they were sharing their personal stuff. Um, So, what I ended up doing was um, coming from a very positive place. And I started to post, of course, what I was eating, my own recipes, but every time I went out to eat or every time I saw something potentially vegan at a restaurant, I would post and I would tag that restaurant. And I would say, wow, what a great effort you did to make this uh, amazing dish for me. Thank you. I I would love to see this on your menu. And I started doing this sort of hospitality um, activism through Instagram. And in person, whenever I would go to these restaurants, I ended up having to call the chefs in advance. Um, I started to figure out little tricks, like how can I get better food? So I ended up calling the chefs and they would say, um, okay, you're vegan. Yeah, we'll make you something. And I would say, well, what are you going to make me? And they would say, well, I'm going to grill some vegetables for you. And I would say, okay, well, what protein do you have? And they would be like, what, what do you mean? Say, do you have have (laughs) tofu? Um, I really, at that point in the beginning, only vegan proteins. So we really had were tofu and and beans and so I said um, okay well can you go to the supermarket here's the supermarket you need to go to to get the tofu and you can marinate it like this and you can put it on the grill and that will be great it'll be a balanced meal and so they did it. The chef started to listen to me um, and they were so accommodating and they just did what I asked them to do. And so I started getting wow. better meals and then I would ask to take a picture with the chef, you know, and post it online and say, look how great the chef just made this great meal. And people started to comment, oh, I want to go there and eat that. And then other people would go and ask for it. Um, eventually, I, I got asked to give a presentation at the Restaurant Association in Aruba. And, um, and this was all in a matter of months. I mean, it happened so quickly. So I ended up giving a presentation to about 25 restaurant owners and chefs, and I gave this presentation from the point of view of the vegan guest just about my own experience. I wasn't trying to really get anything out of them other than just encourage them to serve vegans. And I, yeah. I showed them all the pictures of the 10 pasta dishes they had served me, and um, and then I showed them <laughs> pictures of what vegan food could look like, You know, some of the things that I make at home, and they were like, wow, it's so colorful. What is that? And um, I talked to them about the difference between vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free because there's all these this confusion. There was a lot of confusion in the beginning. Nobody knew yeah. what the difference Tell was. And ended up, um, so after that presentation, everyone was – so excited and they were inspired to make changes. Like I was I was blown away by the response. Even a churrascaria came up to me and they were like, "Wow, we didn't even know what vegan was. We have a vegetarian salad bar. Like this is so cool. We want to do vegan stuff." And um, restaurants lined up and asked if I would help them. So I said, "Well, what do you mean? I don't I, I don't know how I can help you. I've never worked in a restaurant before. I I don't I don't know how I can help you." They were like, "Well, it looks like you know how to cook. You have great food pictures. So why don't you come and tell us what we need to do? So that was the start of my consulting business. And um, it didn't start out as a business. I, I The first restaurant uh, was a Cuban restaurant. He invite, The owner invited me to come and talk to them. And I sat down with them and I looked at their menu and I gave them some tips. I said, okay, well, you have the wrong labels here. And this is not vegan. This is not gluten-free. This is a mistake. You can change this. Like I gave them some ideas. And then the owner was like, oh, no, no, we don't want your ideas. We want you to go to the supermarket, get the food we need, train our chefs how to cook it, and then tell us what to write on our menu and then make make desserts wow. for us. And, you know, it was this, they wanted me to basically make them vegan friendly. And so, yeah. I
1: mean, were you confident enough to actually do that?
0: Uh, no, but I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know anything. I didn't, I had never written a recipe down in my life. Um, I love to cook. I was a very good cook, but I I just threw things together in the kitchen. I didn't know how to make a recipe to teach other people. Um, you know, I had been, I had done cooking classes, but I was teaching mostly kids and using other people's recipes. And so, um, and I I was like, okay. So the guy was like, okay, and, um, we're going to do it this weekend. You have like five days to do this, to make a menu. So I was like, okay, sure. I mean, I had nothing else to do at that point. I didn't have my work permit yet. I had, uh, I was just taking care of my daughter at home. So yeah. I was like, all right, this is fun. I'll, I'll help this restaurant. So it was a lot of work. Um, I had to do research online about Cuban cuisine and then figure out how to veganize the dishes that were on their menu. And I had, I, I think I made like five or six dishes for them. And I, I bought the food and then I went to the owner's house and all of his chefs were there and nobody spoke English. Um, they were all speaking Spanish. And I essentially had to teach them not just how to cook these dishes, but what veganism was why people want to eat this stuff and what these things what these ingredients even are um before you know any change was going to happen and i had to do it you know through through these people who were translating and um yeah, yeah it was amazing though that when you're teaching people through food it's visual so there there the language barrier sort of drops away because people are tasting you're using so many other senses that you can get the gist of what each other is saying without the language um so yeah so i made them a tempeh cuban sandwich you know they had never tasted tempeh they had never seen tofu made a tofu ropa vieja and um portobello ribs and they ended up putting these dishes on their menu and um and i i got to see that menu in print and it was it was amazing it was like this most amazing feeling of seeing these dishes on a menu and then i realized okay well these servers, the people serving the food also need to understand what they're serving. So then I said, okay, can you let me come and talk to your servers? So I did a training for the servers on vegan lifestyle. Um, And then people went and ate the food and then more restaurants started to contact me. And I realized, wow, this is a lot of work and um, I want to keep doing this. So I went to the chamber of commerce that week and I registered as a new business and and that was it. And um, within a year you know, I've been in 15 different restaurant kitchens, and our, I had to start a website. I say had to, but I, I gladly started a website, um, veganaruba.com. Yeah. That um, was it, just a spinoff of my Instagram. I was getting so many people messaging me, um, tourists asking me where to eat vegan on Aruba, that I couldn't keep up with the messages. Like, oh, these are my favorite places. So I ended up starting a website, which has a restaurant directory of all of the vegan-friendly places. And, um, and that way I can just direct people there. And so now you know, we started with, with almost zero vegan friendly places. And I've been there. I've been in Aruba now for almost three years. We have over 40 vegan friendly restaurants and many of them have full vegan menus and like really good, creative vegan menus. Um, And not just
1: like more than just like a salad. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I have like high (laughs)
0: criteria for what what actually is vegan friendly. Like you need an on menu vegan dish. You can't just say you'll make something on request. Um, No, truly vegan friendly for me means not just having a vegan menu or vegan options, but for your whole staff to understand what vegan service means—that you don't bring the bread basket with butter to the table when people sit down, that you have your wine list labeled with vegan wines, that your servers understand why people are vegan, so that they respect and don't roll their eyes at you when you ask for a vegan option—which you see, you see—and right. um, it's this whole, this whole thing, this whole culture around. Making a restaurant vegan friendly. That I ended up creating a method and a program that I offer restaurants now and and hotels. And now I train people all over the world to do that in their own communities. Um, I'm actually running my first training program now. Um, we're on week three of a twelve week program, and um, I have people, you know, in big cities, and I have someone in a in a in Argentina in Patagonia, and someone in Amsterdam, and someone in Houston, and uh, it's it's incredible to see people starting to use my method to make changes in their community.
1: Wow. So I just think that that's wild. I mean, you had no intention of doing any of this. You literally went to Aruba and you were like, I need some vegan food. And then all of a sudden (laughs) it's just like, you know, you're teaching people all over the world to, to incorporate (laughs) vegan options and, and train their staff and kitchen to accommodate for vegans.
0: Yeah. And you know, I, I have to say that it, um, it's not that I just worked with restaurants. So I, I also, I was increasing the supply of vegan food there, but I also increased the demand by teaching other people in Aruba what the vegan lifestyle was. So I held workshops at yoga studios. I held community events. Um, I, I did workshops at major community events. Um, I just became an advocate for the lifestyle and, and helped people understand what it was and made them um, interested in trying it. And my mission that I, when I built my website, I said, okay, what is my mission here? What is vegan Aruba? So my mission was to make being vegan Aruba in Aruba an accessible and an acceptable lifestyle. So Mm. making it accessible, meaning that, you know, I worked with the supermarkets to import the products we needed. Now we have vegan meats, vegan cheeses, everything, everything you can think of. And, um, and the restaurants of course. And then Also, making it acceptable so people don't look at you weird when you ask for something vegan that they hear you're vegan and they're like, oh, that's so cool. Tell me about it. I'm trying to go vegan. And, um, you know, I, I like the radio stations wanted to interview me, and I was in all these magazines and local newspapers, and, you know, it just became acceptable. And now when someone in Aruba hears the word vegan, they know what it means, and you know even more so than in some cities in the United States. People email me from San Francisco, from New York, from Miami, um, you know, saying, "Oh, I wish I had someone like you in my in my city to do what you've done." And I'm like, "What? You live in Miami? <laughs> you know, you live in San Francisco? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you must have you must have these this great vegan scene." But you know, people tell me that the vegan scenes in these cities are like full vegan restaurants. So you go you have to go to a vegan restaurant, and it's not like mainstream that the mainstream restaurants are confident in serving vegans, which um, I think is really interesting. Like my strategy in Aruba wasn't to try to create vegan restaurants. We have two now um, there, but there, you know, that wasn't going to be practical. People want to go out and eat with their families. And so it's to make being vegan mainstream so that the mainstream restaurants have vegan options.
1: Wow. That's incredible. So In Aruba, are you like that, that one vegan celebrity or,
0: (laughs) (laughs) um, in the beginning, it's funny, like I would, I would go to the supermarket and people, I had once a woman grabbed my arm and she, I was like, what's going on? And she's like, you're a vegan Aruba, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and I'd have people messaging me um, like, oh, I I think I saw you today in the street, but I was too scared to talk to you or, you know, things like that. And I thought it was, yeah, it was very weird um, and kind of funny in the beginning. But now, no, now I've been there a while. People know my name. Um. I actually changed my Instagram name to to my name, Meredith, so that people know me for yeah. me. And um, and also, it felt weird to represent the vegan movement on Aruba. I'm not Aruban. And so I wanted right. the, the community, like I, I started it, but I want the community to take ownership of it. So mm. um, vegan Aruba is a, a little bit more than me now, um, I, I hope. That's my, my goal, at least, and that I can just be me and vegan Aruba can be the vegan Aruba movement. And, um, yeah, now, now people just know me, um, although my husband and my daughter get stopped sometimes in the supermarket, <laughs> people, wow, know them. Really? well, it's funny. Yeah, I, I do like post about them sometimes in my Instagram stories. So people will be like, Oh, I know who you are. You're Meredith's husband. And like, then they start asking him like where to find the vegan products in the supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. It's, it's such a beautiful little community and um, That's great. people are so nice there.
1: So would you say it's mostly... You know, the, the locals or is it tourists that are taking advantage of the vegan options or, or is it both?
0: Oh, it's definitely both. Um, and, and both are needed to keep the demand high. Um, it, it really depends where the options are. So a lot of the restaurants that are vegan friendly and the ones that have worked with me are in the touristy areas. Um, and that's because they they want to cater to the changing demand. And they have the money to pay someone to be a consultant, and right. so I've worked with a lot of um, tourist-friendly restaurants. A couple local restaurants have um, have worked with me, and now uh, I see more and more local restaurants starting to come up with vegan options on their own. So the 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 day that people that restaurants started coming up with vegan options that had nothing to do with me, I was like so happy, like blown away. Like, this is amazing. Like, this isn't just about me. This isn't just me out here doing it myself. People are inspired by me. Like I would have top chefs in Aruba messaging me saying, thanks for the inspiration. I've been following you for a while. I just added these dishes to my menu. Come try them. And that's like, that was the, one of the most amazing things for me to start seeing that happen, and it's happening now weekly. Weekly, that restaurants are advertising their vegan options; they're coming up with more vegan specials, and I see new restaurants opening, and they consider veganism from the start. So there's a, a new local restaurant that just opened, and they have every day a new vegan option um, that's like similar to their their mainstream option. Yeah, so it's it's both. I get um, messages from tourists and from locals, and um, it's it's really this cohesive community where everyone can just feel connected to each other. And when I was doing events, we had these vegan yoga nights and we had locals and tourists come together to, to share vegan food and yoga.
1: That must be really fulfilling because it's like, you know, the, the age old saying you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. So, you know, you're, you're leading all these people to this vegan lifestyle, but then, you know, they decide to actually step in and take initiative themselves. And you know, that to you, must seem like you have really actually made an impact because that's going to continue to carry on, you know, even if you were to move away or whatever, you know, these people now are actually taking the initiative and they're going to pass that on to other people and it just creates this big ripple effect. So...
0: Yeah. I mean, I've started programs in the past. Like I'm a community organizer. I started youth programs. I have started things where I would never really figured out how to transition them to be community owned. And that was always a passion of mine to figure out how do I make this sustainable? And, um, here, so again, this is uh, all by accident. So it's not like I set out in the beginning to say, I'm going to create this thing and then I'm going to leave it for the community. And, um, no, but, but I, I did something right. And I'm going to have to go back and analyze you know, what, what was that moment that allowed, or what was that strategy that allowed for the community to take ownership? Um, but I think a, a big part of it is that people need to be encouraged and they need to, um, to feel recognized for their work. And so I always stay positive and, um, I always promote the, the people that are doing a great job and I always offer to help and um, I encourage them to keep going. Like if I had a pizza place say to me, oh, is there really demand for vegan food? Should I have a vegan pizza on my menu? And every month for a year I'm messaging them, uh, when is that vegan pizza coming out? When is it coming out? You know, yeah. not saying I want to work <laughs> with you, hire me, no, just like I, I believe in you, you should do this. You're going to get people in the door. And, um, yeah. And now next month their vegan pizza is coming out with Miyoko's cheese, which is uh, like the best. So, that um, is the yeah, best. it's just, it's, it's really, it's really about staying positive, I think and encouraging people and and recognizing them when they do good work.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's a, seems like a pretty solid strategy. Would you say that was your proudest achievement through all of this is, is seeing that kind of like self-sustainable, um, Initiative take off or what was what was your proudest achievement or moment throughout all this?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of them Um, Proudest achievement. I have a couple Um, personally for me, I felt very proud to see my first menu launch. And I, I brought my family. My family happened to be visiting. And we sat around the table at this place called Fishes and More. Um, and I had created a menu for them called the More Menu as like a joke for their name. You know, Fishes and More, what's the more part of it? Okay, yes. <laughs> Well, well, the more is that you have a vegan menu now. And their vegan menu is actually vegan, all vegan and all gluten-free. And um, I, I created this menu launch party for them and they had they served over 40 vegans in two days and um it was like unheard of like no one knew that there were even that many people interested in vegan food on the island at that point and sitting around that table and knowing that all those other people in that restaurant were eating vegan food that i had created and trained the chefs that was an incredible moment um definitely a proud achievement but there um there were more i mean like you said having this go mainstream so i knew that this went, um, sort of viral on the island when this, um, they, so there's this restaurant called the Pestecci house. Pestecci is the local, it's like a local, very local snack. And it's, it's like, um, a sweet empanada sort of, it's like dough, sweet dough filled with cheese. And um, it's, it's got like a, you know, the Dutch cheese in it. And, the pastechi house contacted me that they made a vegan pastechi. And this is like this iconic place downtown where everybody goes. And I had nothing to do with it other than, you know, they've been following me and were inspired and they yeah. created this vegan pastechi. And I was, I was like, wow, this, this is happening. Like if there's a vegan pastechi in Aruba, <laughs> this is, it's local now. like you made it. Yeah. It's locally owned, you know, so that was incredible. And then the other, the other proud moment I had really, um, was when I met Jasmine and Chris on, I had created a, um, a retreat, a vegan influencers retreat, and I was able to get the tourism board to pay for six vegan influencers to come to the Island and promote Aruba as a vegan friendly Island. And, and really like, you know, everyone, all the vendors, the hotel, everyone just got on board with making this experience happen for them. And, and to see the island um, proud of of being vegan friendly and wanting to promote that. I mean, that, that was really incredible.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. that's awesome. I was definitely jealous <laughs> <laughs> I know, no,
0: you know, we could only pick six people, but, uh, but um, we- You wanna pick another six? Well, <laughs> I'll
1: gladly volunteer myself. Well,
0: the retreat was sort of a test run with our vendors. So now we actually have public retreats. So anybody can come on the vegan Aruba retreat. And um, we have a couple of dates coming up in the future. Um, so you can you can contact me on Instagram. Any anyone listening, if you want to come on a vegan Aruba retreat, or just go to veganaruba.com, contact me through there or look at the event section.
1: There you go. So that fish is in more restaurant. I was scrolling through Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, and I saw they had that, that vegan calamari, was that you're doing or was that one of their initiatives?
0: Oh yeah, that was me. (laughs) And it's so Uh, funny. They had told me, you know, I, I initially met with the chef and the manager and I was like, there's some cool stuff trending right now. Like we could do this, we could do a vegan calamari, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And then they were like, we want that vegan calamari. That picture looks so good. Um, So I tried it (laughs) with a couple different things, ended up um, using hearts of palm. And it's, it's a very difficult ingredient to work with. You literally have to poke with a straw, like, or with your pinky finger through every tiny little piece. And when I trained them, I was like, are you sure you really want to put this on your menu? Because this is a labor of love. And they, right. they were like, but this is so good. We're putting this on our menu. And I just think it's, you know, I, I joke about it because no one has any idea how much work goes into that dish that these chefs are sitting there in the back, poking tiny holes through this, you know, <laughs> just to make it look like calamari. Um, yeah. But that it's a great, it's a great dish.
1: Yeah. It looks amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm doing like a a challenge right now. So I'm not eating, I'm pretty much just eating rice and beans and vegetables for 75 days. So I'm like literally Uh. everything that I see on Instagram food wise, I'm just like, I want that now.
0: Yeah, that's hard. Well, stop scrolling.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's not going to happen. It's like every night I torture myself. (laughs) I don't know why. So, all right. You take these techniques now to help people all over the world through vegan hospitality. Um, yeah, talk a little bit more about that. You know, was that always, well, I, I guess, I guess you kind of already answered that, that it wasn't always the plan, but you know, that's just a continuation from your success you had in Aruba. What made you want to decide to, to branch out?
0: Yeah. I mean, one thing just led to another and uh, this whole, I mean, this whole journey has just literally been me responding to the needs uh, of the people, like, uh, you know, the need, my needs and other people's needs and seeing where I can be of service and people started messaging me um, mostly after James and Carly came to visit Aruba and they started talking about the work I was doing. And then I had the vegan retreat and they started talking about what I was doing. And then I was getting a lot of messages from people all over the world asking me, how did you do it? How did you make Aruba vegan? How can I do this in my community? Do you have any tips? Uh, Are you willing to talk to me? Can I take you out for coffee? Can you you email me? And um, it was very overwhelming. I, w- I was like, well, you know, this was an accident. <laughs> um, but but yeah. let me but let me look into it because I am a social worker, I'm a professor, I'm a community organizer, a researcher. Let me see what I did and what what worked. And so I, I started telling people, okay, I'm gonna write a free ebook. I'm gonna, you know, do a YouTube. How can I get this information out to people um, in the right way? And so, as I started researching, um, studying the community assessment and the community work I had done, I realized that, there was a lot that went into it and it wasn't something i could just share in a little pamphlet or in a youtube video this is a this is a method it's a strategy and um it's it's worth really training people properly if i want them to use my method and do that work um successfully and sustainably so i ended up creating a 12-week course and i invite people all over the world to be part of it i have eight people in each cohort. So right now it's the first group and I want to keep it small because they get, um, live group trainings with me every week. And then they get personal coaching time as well. And it's all done virtually and I support them in starting their own vegan hospitality consulting business. So it's something that they can do full-time if they want to. It's something they can do part-time, um, or just as a little passion project in their own little town, or they can do it, you know, they can bring it wherever they go in the world. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so blown away by the the current people that I'm working with that they are just taking everything I say and running with it and creating their own brands and, you know, um, starting to attract clients. And we're, you know, we're only on week three right now. Um, it's it's so inspiring. And it's really my, my passion. I'm, I'm really a teacher at heart. And that's why I teach. And I've always been one to start community programs. So for me, it's about what's the largest impact i can make um the most yeah. macro level impact and cuz i was i was a, um, a counselor in the beginning i was a therapist uh, a psychotherapist when i studied clinical social work and right away i realized i want to make a bigger more macro level impact and so mm-hmm. um i'm able to do that through this work and it's sort of like my my social work passion and my passion for for eat healthy eating and it all came together and social justice and all came together for me in this career. And, um, and I can't imagine doing anything else. I, I just imagine this continues and grows. And I have this big goal to have a consultant trained in every country, uh, maybe in every, in every U S city and, um, and just get this movement going and transform the hospitality industry. Because of course it's important to help turn one person vegan, you know, inspire the people around you. But if you can turn a hotel vegan or vegan friendly, you're changing those purchasing patterns and you are increasing demand for vegan food at a huge scale. So you're making a much bigger impact for the animals if you can work on this macro level. And I see vegan activists who who want to make a bigger difference, who, you know, they're standing out on the street talking to people one by one. And that is so powerful. Um, but they're like, okay, well, you know, how can I sustain this as a lifestyle? How can I, um, make money supporting myself as a vegan activist? What can I do that would turn my passion into a career? And now I feel like I have this gift that I can give to people where I can train them to, to turn their passion into, into a business. And, um, And I, and I just, I can't wait to, to see it grow and to see this movement happen all over the world.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say that you're starting a, a worldwide movement here.
0: Yeah. It's, it's scary. It's exciting, but I just, I keep going. Like I, I don't let my, my limiting beliefs stop me. And that's what I teach people in my training as well. The first week we talk about limiting beliefs, like this belief that, um, it's not okay to make money doing vegan activism, which is completely false. If you can support yourself while doing something to make the world a better place, that's what you should be doing. It's way better than, than making money, doing something that doesn't make the world a better place. Right. Right. You know, or this limiting belief that, Oh, I'm just one person. I don't have the tools I need to make a difference. Right. I'm I'm not good enough. I can't, how can I, how can I go into a, a chef's kitchen and teach him how to cook if I've never worked in a restaurant before. Right. So we have all these limiting beliefs like, who am I to do this, to make this change? And um, and you have to believe in yourself and realize that you can become an expert on what you do. So I train my my students to become experts on vegan hospitality. They're not going to be hospitality experts. They're not going to be expert chefs. They're going to know what they know about making a restaurant vegan friendly. And they're going to bring that expertise to people that don't know about that and that are grateful to have them come together and, and make a collaboration work
1: wow that that's amazing i i tell myself that all the time i'm like you know all the things that i'm doing and you know i I pretty much just try to create content. I have this podcast. I'm like, I want to make money from this Mm -hmm. so that I can do it full time and make a bigger impact. You know, like I don't want to be struggling. I don't, I still don't want to be working. You know, right now I work six days a week doing other jobs. And then the Mm -hmm. remaining time I get to put into this and I'm just like, and I just recorded a podcast yesterday about potential. I'm like, I know my potential is so much greater. So I got to keep working to the point where I can do this stuff full time. It's like, you know, you can make a huge difference. And We do limit ourselves into these little boxes about what our potential is. And I wish people would would dream bigger and then actually believe that that they can do those things.
0: Yeah. And you have to make space in your life for those new things to enter. If you're so busy filling your time with other things, you're not going to be able to transition to being a full-time activist or or, or putting... All of that energy into the vegan movement because you're just so busy with other stuff. And of yeah. course, we all need to support ourselves. We all need to, you know, do what we need to do to survive. But you know, honestly, we, we can live on a lot less than um, than we think we need while mm. we're building up our passions and becoming entrepreneurs. Um, that's right, true. right. When I started my my consulting business that week that I registered as a business, my husband lost his job. Um, he was working for the Aruban government as a policy advisor. And the election happened and the prime minister he was working for did not get reelected. And he, he along with you know everyone else in the in that party, uh, lost their job. And for since then, basically, about two years, I've been supporting my family doing this you know, entrepreneurial, month-to-month, figure-it-out kind of work, um, and of course, my part-time um, at the university. But um, again, it wasn't the plan, but I could never think about going back to working this full-time 9-to-5 or 9-to-7 kind of job where I wasn't able to live out my passion every day.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you still had fulfillment when you were, you know, doing social work and, mm-hmm and all that. But I I can imagine now that since you've tied kind of all your beliefs and, and values into one now that the fulfillment is just, you know, 10 times bigger.
0: Yeah. Well, there's no, there's no limit here. So when I was working for other companies or nonprofits, um, I had tasks assigned to me that I needed to do for for an agenda, an agenda of the company or an agenda of, you know, our group or whatever. Um, and, and that was, that had to be accomplished and that was the end, you know, we had yearly goals, but here, this is like this fluid industry, this fluid, um, job experience career where I'm responding. I'm, I'm more of a responder than, than, um, an initiator so i'm able to see what the need is and then respond to that need and i know that will be successful because i'm responding to a need that i know is there so people are asking me for this they're asking me for a website they're asking me to help with this restaurant they're asking me to train them i know i have that audience because they're asking me for it and so i can freely flow from one to one thing to another um, and potentially you know move to other countries myself one day and do it in other places because i'm, I'm this free person who who's doing all of this for myself Yeah. It's, it's really, it's real freedom.
1: That's great. That's great, Meredith. Uh, Congratulations on that. I just wish that more people would uh, be able to see that in their lives. You know, I think a lot of us settle. I really
0: do. Yeah. Well, everyone at their, at their own pace and the work, you know, the work in making the world a better place, isn't just what, what you do for other people. It's what you do for yourself. And so, Mm. you know, part of that for me is meditation and and exercise and journaling and getting enough sleep and, you know, being with my family. And so even just starting there, like, you know, parenting, like if you're a parent, that is a huge form of activism. You're raising uh, the next generation of people that are going to change the world. So you know, don't discount what you're doing, you know, if you, th- if you see here my story and you're like, oh, I, I wish I could devote 100% of my time to that. Um, what you're doing, you know, is not insignificant. What you're doing is amazing. If you're just taking care of yourself, you're already making the world a better place.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's very true. And I think, you know, it, you got to start with the small things first mm-hmm. because you can't pour from an empty cup. So you mm-hmm. know, start with yourself and and give yourself, um, you know, that, that proper... Um, Oh, man, what's the word I'm looking for right now that proper attention and then then once you can master that then, you know Move on and just, you know, eventually scale it up because looking back on your story. That's more or less what you did as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely
1: so What's the best way to cultivate a vegan community? Obviously, this is a pretty big question, but just maybe just a, a general, you know overview tip
0: yeah. You know, it's funny that you asked that because I recently wrote a blog about that on, um, on dot And, um, I have four steps there that you can take to cultivate your vegan community. So the biggest, the biggest thing I think is to adopt a future thinking message. So, so, um, don't don't come from a place of lack. Like, oh, we have nothing. We don't have a vegan community. We have to create one. Start thinking and talking like it's already happened. And that's what I did in Aruba. Like, I wasn't like, um, oh, it's impossible to be vegan in Aruba. Let's make it possible. I was like, no, it is possible to be vegan in Aruba. I'm going to show you how. And then I started Talking like there was this huge demand for vegan food. I'd go to restaurants and I'd be like, You have to put vegan food on your menu because so many people are missing out. They want to eat this food and you're losing clients. I didn't know. I had no idea how many vegans were on the island, how many tourists you know, in the very beginning, how many people would go and eat these things. But, um, I started talking it up, like, you know, fake it till you make it sort of thing. And, yeah. and explaining that veganism was huge around the world. Look, it's growing 700% per year in these developed countries. So and that's it, true. Yeah. And if we're getting tourism from these countries, then it must be growing at a similar rate here. So I literally just started pretending that this was already happening. And, I made it happen because the newspapers were oh, there's a vegan movement. I didn't even know that, and then they wanted to talk to me, and then they'd write in the newspaper, Aruba has a huge vegan movement. There's a vegan revolution in Aruba. I started. <laughs> I started saying um, Aruba's the number one vegan friendly place in the Caribbean. Right before we were, now we totally are. And um, you know, just just saying those things, putting them into existence, it, it, it's not it's not some like strange woo woo manifestation thing. It's like really, you have to believe it and live it for it to. To come into existence. Um, So yeah, talk about it like it's already happening and stay positive. Seek out what's already working in your community and focus on that. So encourage people that are doing the right thing. And and also be an advocate in your everyday life in your community. So if you go to a restaurant and you talk to the server, tell them you're vegan right away. Don't just like say, oh, that looks like a vegan menu option. I'm going to order that. And Order something that looks vegan-friendly. Tell the server I'm vegan. Here's what I believe. Here's why. Um, is this dish vegan? What's it made out of? And you know, see see if they understand. And you can do so much activism at restaurants. Um, it's so interesting when I work with restaurants and I do these trainings for the chefs and the servers. And you know, it's a guest-focused training, so it's helping them understand the clients. But every time I go back to a restaurant that I've worked with, I get multiple staff members telling me they've gone vegan since my training or they've researched wow. into veganism or they're trying to go vegan or limited meat or trying to be healthier because they just never heard of it before. And they start to understand why people are doing this and they want it for themselves. Um, I had during one server training, I had people asking me, you know, taking notes, asking me what documentaries they should watch. And wow. so it's not just about making this restaurant vegan friendly, it, it literally like changes the people's lives who are working there um, and, and furthers the movement.
1: You're, you're sneaky, Meredith, a little bait and switch. It's a, (laughs) it's a
0: hidden, it's a hidden benefit. I talk about it in my training, um, for the consultants, it's, it's not a benefit you tell the restaurants, but it's a hidden benefit that they're going to (laughs) have, um, better staff morale because these staff are going to be living, you know, better lives.
1: That's great. (laughs) So, all right, let's talk worldwide. Where do you see the vegan movement in 10 years?
0: Hmm. That's, um, it's a good question. Although, you know, I, I hope that there is no vegan movement in 10 years. Like, I hope vegan is just mainstream and there's some Mm. weird carnist movement that people want to hold on to history. (laughs) Um, No, for real, though, um, I think about the hospitality industry because that's a field I'm in. So I see every major restaurant, every major restaurant chain and hotel group being vegan friendly in 10 years, for sure. I hope it happens before 10 years, actually. And, yeah. um, and of course, I I, think yeah, it will. I plan to have something to do with that, of course. And um, you know, my, my focus right now is on hotels. Personally, I want to work with hotels um, because once I'm part of a hotel group, it can really influence many different countries that those hotels are in. Um, and I see like my main mission of veganism being accessible and acceptable. I want that to happen not just in Aruba, but within the majority of communities around the world so that it's, it just becomes an acceptable way to live and we can move toward like further away from the, the us versus them mentality. Like it's, you know, yeah. us, we're vegans, they're not, we got to make them vegan. Like, you know, I don't think that's sustainable. I think maybe veganism will get in- integrated into a larger movement to make the world a better place. Like there will be some larger movement that pops up where people just want a better world. They want to have a sustainable world. Mm. And we just sort of redesign the world together so that we can um live by our values and maybe veganism gets integrated into that. So it's not just about yeah. um animal liberation, which is is obviously at the core of this, but but human liberation and, and liberation uh, from the current state that we're living in. Um and it just becomes this necessary part of creating a better future for humanity. So veganism is just one tool that we can use that that I've chosen as my main form of activism in this life, but um, you know, it's one tool. We can't say that it's everything. It's one tool that's going to create a better future for humanity, and I hope that within 10 years people notice that and integrate it into the larger mission that that we're working on because like we know in 10 years either we're going to be seeing really devastating effects from the climate crisis or Or somebody's turned that around. Like we've been able to turn that around for the better. So, I think ten years is an interesting timeline to look toward because I think, yeah, we're gonna see the world either getting worse or or it's gonna have to get better.
1: I'd love to see it get better. I say all the time. I love that you said it's a tool. Um, I say veganism is the doorway to world peace. Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel like it's just so inclusive to so many things that that are for the betterment of the world. I'm just like you know, well, I've just seen how it's affected me in my life and I've seen how it's affected others, you know, and and it's not always in a positive way. I've seen it affect others in a negative way, but for the majority, you know, the underlying cause and, and value and mission is, is for world peace and for Mm -hmm. more compassion in this life.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: All right. If you had to do this all over again, where would you pick next? Where are you going to?
0: (laughs) Um, Well, I I actually would love to travel. So my husband is is now studying to be an international school teacher. And that means he can work anywhere in the world at an international school. And so we do think about where, where will we go next? Um, but luckily, you know, I'm, I'm training other people to do this work now. So I don't, I don't feel that personal pressure to go veganize another place. Um, I, I want to empower people who who are from these communities and like within Aruba, I also want to train people in Aruba to do the work I do so that it is even more sustainable. So, you know, I'm the trainer. I'm not the one who is coming around, like, you know, taking over. Um, but, but I know that I can take these strategies wherever I live. So I do feel empowered that wherever I do live next, if I live in a community that's not vegan-friendly, that I, I can do that work to make it vegan-friendly. Um, and I had this, this sort of fantasy, uh, like a year ago, I was telling my husband, what if we just posted online that we would move anywhere, you know, someone pay for us to... We'll do, like, a crowdfunding. Um, we'll go to any city that that's voted the top city that they want us to come and veganize it. And uh, we'll just do this, like, crowdfunding for whatever community. Yes. And I'll just move wherever people want me to move. And yes, know, it's I funny. It. But, but you know, now I don't have to do that. Now I'm training people over the world. Um, but that would have been fun, like a, a fun reality show.
1: <laughs> you should do it. You should pitch that to, like, a TV show. You yeah. be like, uh, what's your husband's name? Andre. Andre, mm-hmm. Meredith and Andre veganize so and so place.
0: <laughs> yeah, very it would be very funny.
1: That would be amazing. I would watch that show. Come on. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's it's I, I wish that someone had been documenting the work in Aruba because it's it's just I've had such interesting conversations with people through this work and seeing revelations happen. And um, yeah, yeah, now I get to train people all around the world. And um, I don't think I mentioned it yet that if anyone listening wants to learn more about the training program, you can go to veganhospitality.com. And I have a, uh, a whole description of the program and you can click to contact me for a full brochure and application to the program. My next program is going to start in October and then I'll have one again in January. So, so I would just love to hear from you if you, if this resonates with you and it sounds like something you might be interested in.
1: Perfect. Perfect. All right. So what, what's your travel advice? Um, or, or vegan travel advice for, for any of the vegans uh, who like to travel out there, who are listening, who are just like, all right, I'm, I'm traveling. I don't know where to start when it comes to, you know, being vegan in a new place. Uh, what's your advice on that?
0: Yeah, well, come to Aruba. Aruba <laughs> super vegan friendly. I'll take care of you. Um, you will have so much fun. Um, traveling other places. So, like, I was just in Puerto Rico. I started with Happy Cow. Happy Cow, they have an app and a website. And it's a good starting point to see what restaurants are vegan friendly but don't stop there because it's not the end all. There are a lot of places Happy Cow just hasn't picked up on yet. So you may want to look for local influencers, like on Instagram or Facebook, who or on Google, who can tell you more about the hidden spots where you're going. And then just think about the positives. Like if you find yourself at a place with no vegan options, it's you can. It's easy to say, "Oh no!" Like get nervous about it. Um, but it's a great advocacy opportunity because you're. The first vegan person, maybe that they've spoken to, and then you get to help them, like just like I did in the beginning. You get to help these restaurants understand vegan food service. So, um, just be very specific and clear about your boundaries. Like, if you care about something that's going to be fried, like, and sometimes food is fried in non vegan oil, you could order French fries thinking that it's vegan and then they fry it in you know, oil that was cooked with the fish. So just tell them your boundaries in advance um, and ask a lot of questions, like depending on how specific you want to be. Like I know now having worked in the food service industry that a lot of restaurants will make a marinara sauce with chicken broth, which is just something you wouldn't consider like, Oh, I'm going to order a pasta marinara. You would never think, but if you don't tell the waiter you're vegan and that you don't eat any animal products and the waiter doesn't know what's in the food, which sometimes they don't then um, you'd be eating this unknowingly. So be very, very specific. Um, And you can always ask to speak to a chef. You can ask the chef to come out and talk to you. They know exactly what's in their food and and you can help them. Don't be afraid to use your voice. Like I said, I, I spoke with a chef who wanted me to eat grilled vegetables for $30. And I was like, okay, well, you got to go buy some tofu. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you can always call the restaurant in advance. If you're concerned, if you're in a place where really you feel like they're not vegan friendly, call in advance, call the day before, tell them you're vegan, speak to the chef, um, be friendly and encouraging and positive. And, um, and you will, you will be able to get good service because people in the service industry, they're, they want to serve, they want to serve their customers. They want people to be happy. They want good reviews. And so, the more clear you are, the more you're helping them to be able to serve you better.
1: I like that. Awesome. All right. I'm going to ask you a, a little fun question here um, to kind of wrap it up. So sure. you get to eat one fruit, one vegetable and one package product for the rest of your life. What are they?
0: <laughs> it's such a hard question because I have to think, do I want to build something that's going to sustain me and keep me healthy? Or do I just want to eat what I really love for the rest of my life. Let's go with, Um,
1: let's go with, um, let's go with just like whatever you love. Like let's let's assume that all your nutritional needs are being met.
0: Okay. All right. Um, so fruit, I have to go with avocado. Um, I eat avocado almost every day. Um, it's yeah. Um, I mean, it's nutritional too, and it's just, it's my favorite. I mean, there's so many amazing fruits, but avocado Yeah, I could eat avocado every day. My daughter eats it every day. She had three pieces of avocado toast yesterday for breakfast. (laughs) She's only three. She just kept asking for more and more and more. So avocado for sure. Vegetable. Um, I, you know, I really love kale. Uh, I crave greens a lot. And kale is also really nutritious. So I'm going to say kale. And then like I could massage the avocado onto the kale to make it creamy. Because kale really needs, they really need oil on the kale. Um, Yeah. And products. That's a hard one. There's so many good products. I love Miyoko's cheese. Like they're the cultured cashew cheese. The spread mm. is so yeah. good. Um, and I also love lentil pastas. I love to eat the legume pastas. I think that's like a revolutionary product that should just be shipped all over the world. Like yeah. why are people eating uh, white pasta? <laughs> like we should just be eating legume pastas. It's so nutritious and it's so good. So, it's so much yeah.
1: protein too. There's like 40 grams of protein in like a serving of like red lentil pasta.
0: Yeah, lentil pasta, chickpea pasta. So yeah, those are staples for me. All
1: right. That's pretty solid. I didn't even think about avocado You know, as a fruit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we normally, I guess we, what do we think of it normally? Like a vegetable? I don't know. I don't know. No, don't
1: know. It, it's it's definitely a fruit, but it's just not <laughs> like when you think of fruit, you, you think of like bananas and <laughs> you strawberries. You the, the sweet ones. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I, I might have to agree with you on that because avocado is just, it uh, goes on everything.
0: It's life. Yeah. I mean, it's between avocado, banana. You see the debates. Which one would you choose, right? Yeah, that's tough. They're vegan essentials.
1: I don't like answering these questions, so I just ask other people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like it. It's fun. You can probably tell a lot about a person from their answers to these questions. All
1: right, Meredith, where can people reach you at? I know you dropped some of your websites earlier, but just uh, give all the plugs for us.
0: Yes. You can reach me on Instagram at Meredith Marine. And it's, it's really, it's the Spanish. It's my husband's name, Marin. So it doesn't have an E on the end. It's just Meredith, M-A-R-I-N. And if you're interested in coming to Aruba, you want to go on a retreat or you're planning a family vacation, you can go to veganaruba.com. Um, If you're interested in the consultant training or you work with a restaurant, you want to be certified in vegan hospitality, um, you want to help the restaurant you work with or own become vegan friendly, you can go to veganhospitality.com. And I also have some great blog articles up there. It's a very new site. Like I said, I just started this training, so I have a couple blogs, and it's just going to keep growing from here.
1: Awesome guys. Well, definitely get in contact uh, with Meredith if you. First of all, if you're planning to go to Aruba, I want to go to Aruba now. It sounds amazing. I just want to go and eat all the vegan food.
0: Yeah, you have to come. You have to try the calamari <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you're seriously. done with your when you're done with your eating plan.
1: Uh, well, I'm going to the UK in August, so after that, because I'll, I'll need more money. So,
0: <laughs> oh, nice, but that's a great place for vegan food too.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I'm very excited about that. All right, any last words for the listeners?
0: Yeah. To everyone listening, just know that you matter, that your actions matter in the world, whether you like it or not, there's no denying it. Everything you do, everything you purchase makes an impact and you have unique qualities within you that you have to offer the world and to this movement. So, um, if you're looking to learn new activism strategies and you want to transform the vegan scene in your community, I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to find a way to support you.
1: Awesome. Meredith, thank you so much for being here. It was, it was a delight to have you on here and to hear your story and to hear about how you more or less transformed an Island that was not vegan into a vegan one and how you're taking that movement worldwide. And I'm so excited to see what you have planned for the future and and how far your, your impact reaches. So thanks for being here.
0: Thank you. It was so much fun to talk to you.
1: Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you. Guys, you did it. This is the end of this week's episode, so if you're still listening, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for still being here. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes, and don't forget to share it with a family member or a friend, somebody you think would also find value in this content. If you want to stay up to date with what I'm doing and have a chance to win some awesome prizes and giveaways, head to my website, www.theveganmanlyman.com, and sign up for my newsletter. My name is Jake Singer, and this is the Vegan Manly Man Podcast.